On this month's episode of the Pats Podcast, we are checking in with athletic trainers from around the state to see how their daily routine has changed due to the pandemic. Stick around. Let's be better athletic trainers. Before we start, I'd like to take a minute to thank UPMC Sports Medicine for their continued support of athletic trainers in the state of Pennsylvania and PATS. For more information, please visit them at www.upmcsportsmedicine.com. Janelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what your pre-pandemic athletic training position looked like. Sure. Well, I uh, started my athletic training career, got my undergrad degree at Messiah College, now Messiah University, um, had my master's through California University of Pennsylvania, and uh, began working at Dickinson in 2002, became the head athletic trainer in uh, 2009, and had a pretty traditional athletic trainer role here at Dickinson pre-pandemic. Um, we have four full-time athletic trainers here at Dickinson, have a great team. Uh, we work together well. One of them is on this call. Shout out, Adam Richmond. Um, and we have three full full service athletic training rooms um, at Dickinson. I oversee one of them um, where my primary sports were um, or are uh, men's and women's soccer, softball, and baseball. And so pre-pandemic, I was doing the normal athletic training um, duties where was covering practices and games treating athletic injuries, doing rehab, um, you know, getting athletes back on the field as, as quickly as, a, as I could. Um, as part of my, you know, head athletic trainer role, I was also doing administrative duties um, and was also serving on our, our senior staff in the athletic department and, and serving on other committees, but primarily was serving in a, in a pretty traditional role. So, so not only having a full plate of duties, you still had to deal with Adam as well. <laughs> yes. yeah. that's a full-time job in itself <laughs> so she doesn't get any extra pay for that either but uh, <laughs> um so janelle you know dickinson college it's division three you know you have that very traditional athletic training job i think we, we, we obviously we both do um you know what what you typically think of as athletic training is is what we do and uh then the pandemic hit and uh, your your role has has changed quite a bit and I'm just curious, can you talk about what your role looks like now as the head athletic trainer at Dickinson College, um, how you were identified to kind of kind of change that role and, and just discuss the the new position as Janelle Nolt, head athletic trainer at Dickinson College? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, well, when the pandemic hit, I was actually traveling with our softball team in Arizona. Um, so I had a kind of front row seat to see how the pandemic was beginning beginning to affect athletics and so as we were at our tournament and we saw different teams from all over the country getting phone calls from their athletic directors their institutions back home you know saying hey get your team on a on a flight home immediately like we're not sure if you're going to be able to get home if you don't leave now or having you know teams getting on their buses and and leaving the fields immediately you know teams having their seasons canceled and just being in tears, um, knowing that they're not gonna be able to, to finish their season was really um, really an, an impactful way to see um, the pandemic and its effect for, firsthand. Um, and obviously having to, to work with our team and, and travel back home during that time um, was a challenge. And 
obviously seeing how the, the D1 situation was um, handling it during that time. The D1 uh, championships were being canceled as we were, were out in Arizona as well. Um, was just was just challenging to see. And then obviously as we come home and having a lot of uncertainty surrounding, you know, our spring seasons and not only our spring seasons, but our spring semester and would we return to campus. Um, and then obviously as we roll into summer and trying to figure out what our fall would look like. Um, and so, you know, my position in, in athletic training as a head athletic trainer and trying to figure out, you know, how do we, how do we turn the corner and how do we look towards the fall and how do we begin to prepare for athletics um, was really a challenge. And as in most cases is as you begin to ask questions and ask good questions and people realize that you're asking really good questions that they don't have the answers to, um, you often begin to get put on committees. And, and that's really what, what started to happen to me is, um, you know, I just started asking really good questions of people across campus of, you know, how are we going to handle a, a testing protocol? Are we going to do a, a school-wide plan to do a symptom tracking system? Or how are we going to handle ordering PPE? Is it my responsibility to do it just for my department? Or are we going to try and do a school-wide system? Um, and so in prep for this interview, um, or this podcast, I actually went back and looked at some of those emails from the summer and, and that's really how it started. And I, I have one email that I found in particular where I really just laid it all out and was like, these are the things I'm concerned about. Like I need to be writing a return to sport plan and like, we don't have answers for these. What should we do? And they were like, we don't either come join our committees. And so that is, that's how I got um, really assigned to a lot of the committees I'm on now. Yeah. So basically, you know, as one of the, the only, well, not only, but one of the few healthcare professionals on campus, you were asking good questions, right. And, and trying to push athletics forward when the administration realized that, hey, here's a very qualified healthcare professional that gets this and can help us, you know, you know, has questions, but can also help get us answers, right? Mm -hmm. um, so can you just, you know, tell us what a typical day looks like for you now compared to what it did, you know, obviously, I think we all know what, what typical athletic training looks like, but what, what does your day look like now? Yeah, so a lot of what my day looks like um, is spending time in meetings and on Zoom. Um, and so even though, you know, we're kind of transitioning back into to a little bit of sport, um, I still spend a lot of time um, in Zoom meetings. And prior to, I mean, Dickinson, we just returned to campus this semester. Um, last semester, I mean, I was doing six to eight hours of Zooms a day just because of all the meetings um, I was involved in. And, and I mean, just for example, I mean, I was on the you know, health and safety committee, and then we had subcommittees of that. So the testing committee, the contact tracing committee, the quarantine and illness committee. We had a variety of committees to just try and plan for how to come up with a comprehensive um, system to to handle return to, to campus. Um, and so, you know, we're in a, a much better place now and we have kids on campus and things are going well, but it took a lot of hours of planning to, to get to that place. So most of my, my days now are, my meetings are focused more in the morning. So morning heavy with, with Zooms. Um, 
And then normally by the afternoon, I can, I try not to take any Zoom meetings in the afternoon so I can see athletes um, and do my rehabs in the afternoon and then eventually get to practice coverage um, in, in the evenings. Uh, afternoons and evenings and you know my as I mentioned we have a great team of athletic trainers um, at Dickinson and so they know what I'm doing um, on the admin end and meeting end and so they have really kind of taken over a lot of the more traditional work in the athletic training world so that I am available to still be involved in what's happening um, on the admin and across campus um, side because I still am very involved in all of that and it's important for athletics to still have that role and, and that voice and that input into to what's happening across campus. One of the, the meetings that I'm involved in is the, the COVID response team meeting um, that we have every Monday where we talk about the cases we have on campus um, and, and how we're responding to them. And, and because athletics, we are a good portion of the population that's on campus right now. Um, it's important to talk to those cases and make sure that that everyone is on the same page with that. Do you feel that during this whole process, meeting with the other uh, departments on campus, that they figured out what athletic training was? <laughs> were they were they kind of had a preset mind beforehand and you changed it? I, I'm interested to see how these meetings like progress throughout the year. Yeah, absolutely. I think a, a lot of people didn't know what we did. Um, I think a lot of people still really had that idea of, you know, their athletics and they're on that other side of campus. And, you know, athletic trainers probably are just, you know, working in the gym or, you know, they're just, you know, like our coaches and they work with our teams and they really didn't understand that we are qualified healthcare professionals. And, um, I think just in the knowledge that I came to the table with, especially around um, testing and contact tracing, um, really just, I think, proved that we are competent um, healthcare professionals. And, you know, I'm in meetings with nurse practitioners um, and we're, ta we're all talking the same language. And, and I think that um, that has gone a long way in educating people, um, that, you know, athletic trainers, what they are is, I think definitely has given people a different frame of mind when they think of what athletic trainers are and do. Um, we were involved in our, our testing protocol. All the athletic trainers at Dickinson helped with the return to, um, return to campus protocols and involved in our testing protocols and, and, um, just, again, being labeled as healthcare professionals is, is a key part of that educational process. How do you think that your athletic training background um, kind of gave you a leg up on working with the pandemic uh, mm -hmm. situation? Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously our, our broad base of knowledge is, is key in how we approach um, emerging um, topics in medicine, right? Like we're always staying up to date on the new trends in medicine. And I think COVID is just another one of those, um, those areas. So um, always staying on the cutting edge, always trying to learn the, 
um, the latest update. I think that was um, just really important as we were going through the phases of COVID is just always trying to stay um, on top of, of the latest update. I think also athletic trainers are just very used to being adaptable, right? Like, okay, well, this is not what we do anymore. We do it this way. And we know how to do that. Like we used to be doing it this way. It's not the way you're supposed to do it anymore. Now we do it this way. So I think just being adaptable and knowing that we've done that all all along and being able to make that switch pretty easily, um, I think helps us. Um, I think also just being used to working in an environment that's fast paced and working with people and being able to communicate well and, um, yeah, just be okay with being in a, in a, an environment that's a little chaotic and a little face pa um, fast paced. I know when the athletic trainers were helping with like the testing site, um, and setting up the testing site, I think there was like, it's basically arranging physicals, right? Yep. Like all athletic trainers have know how to run physicals and know how to run stations and make physicals run smoothly for a lot of people in a short amount of time. And I think, for some other professionals who just are used to seeing people in just very small, like, like small groups in a longer period of time, it just was like this complicated math problem. And we're like, it's physical. So you just, you set up stations and you run people through. Um, and so I, I do think athletic trainers just have this unique skill set that, um, that just know how to problem solve and know how to approach a, a, um, a complicated, dilemma that um that they can solve quickly yeah i love that i love that and i completely agree i was part of that process so yeah <laughs> um you know the, the chaos that was and then you know you, you kind of troubleshoot through it and and then all of a sudden it's not chaos anymore which is which is great mm -hmm. um i guess I, my, my last question would be you know do you feel like having that medical background helps you communicate um, or, or speak the same language as some of the physicians and other healthcare professionals, right? Like you, you guys have, you know, we're not surgeons, but we can talk to a surgeon, right? Like we can, we can be on that same page, you know, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, um, I agree. I think that we can also be that go between. And I think that I've, I've, as a healthcare professional, you can speak that language and you can speak the medical terminology but you can also explain it in a way that the layperson can understand. And I feel yep. like in a lot of the meetings that I've been in, I've been able to do both where I feel like sometimes people are using more of the medical terminology and the people who are in the meetings that are more on the admin side that maybe aren't understanding like the medical language. I've been able to be like, if we just, if we think about it this way, it, you can sometimes like mesh the two and like, have people actually have an understanding of what we're trying to to accomplish um yeah. yeah yeah no i think that that's that's exactly what i was thinking too and, and that's our job every day right like it's okay this is what the doctor said but this is what the doctor actually meant and then you you know you you interpret that for the athlete right right i, I think even just when we talk about like quarantine and isolation and like close contacts um like i feel like i've been in so many meetings where people were using the terminology incorrectly and people were just so confused about what was supposed to be happening. And to actually just clarify for people, what we're talking about is when you send someone who's sick, you can't, you know, so yeah. I think that, I think just using lay language in situations where lay, when you know lay language is appropriate, 
but then also knowing that when you're talking to nurse practitioners and physicians, you know, using the appropriate language so that you have that credibility that they know, you know what you're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a big piece of that athletic training education background that, that we all have. So I love it. Janelle, I want to thank you again for being on the show and, uh, and for sharing your insight and your experience with the pandemic. Uh, up next, we have two more guests. We have Dr. Jason Siebeck from Duquesne University. Jason is an associate professor within the Rango School of Health Sciences at Duquesne University, and he is serving as the chair for the Department of Athletic Training, where he also serves as the program director for, for the athletic training program, as well as the health sciences program. Jason also brought along his student, Christine, to talk to us about what has been happening at Duquesne during the pandemic. Jason and Christine, thank you for coming on the show. Of course. Thanks, thanks for having us. Yeah, this is great. So, um, Jason, I guess let's start with you. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how, you know, what position you're currently in and what your, your typical role looks like um, in your position pre-pandemic. All right. So uh, as, as Phil mentioned, I'm the, the chair of our Department of Athletic Training. Um, I've been at Duquesne University for the last 15 years. Uh, I've been in this my current role um, as as department chair and program director for the last eight years. Um, ordinarily, um, I'm my, my role consists of teaching a few classes each semester and then overseeing the you know, the administrative side of, of, um, of, of ma the management of an athletic training education program, um, taking care of accreditation and compliance issues with that. And, um, you know, just o overseeing kind of the day-to-day -day functions of our, of our department. We're, we're really fortunate. We have, uh, in addition to myself, we have four full-time faculty. Uh, we have an administrative assistant. Um, our students come into our program as, as freshmen. Um, and they're with us all the way through for, for four years. Um, so it's, you know, most of my days, it's a, a really a combination of uh, teaching a little bit in the morning, teaching a couple of classes in the morning, early afternoon, and then transitioning into, you know, just the administrative side of, of program and department management. Uh, and we recently started up a, a new health sciences major as well. So that's kind of added an additional, an additional layer, if you will, to, to things. So uh, it's uh, it's 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 a full, it's a full time job, right? Uh, but uh, but it's something that you know it's a um, been a tremendous experience. I'm I'm really fortunate to work with great great individuals, great students. Um, so it's uh, all in all, life life is good. Nice, nice. So Christine, same same question, but so let's start off. What what year are you in undergrad right now? So I'm currently in my junior year. So you're a junior, um, and so you've you've been in the athletic training program prior to the pandemic. Can yes. you just share what a typical day looks like for you, and, and what your experience has been like, you know, pre-pandemic? Like, what do you what do you typically do as an athletic training student? So a bit of the transition in the program, going from pre-professional phase to professional phase, for me was happening right as all this pandemic stuff was going on. So my role as a student has shifted a lot during the last year but prior to that starting i actually started in the athletic training program as a sophomore so right before the pandemic that's when i first started with the athletic training courses we first start to get our clinical education experience started we can shadow with several different 
um, sites that we have with the university. We can go with the juniors and seniors with their official placements. So getting a lot of different experience in the classroom and at clinical sites as a sophomore. And then that role just kind of transitions more as you get to the professional phase, which is what I'm in now my junior year. Awesome. Awesome. So now, Jason, it's been um, almost a year to the day from when things started to shut down. I think NBA canceled their first game like 362 days ago or something like that. How has things shifted in the department? I, I, I can't even imagine what being a, a program director looks like right now. It, you know, it was I've spent a lot of time um, thinking about this this time frame last year. Uh, because we had a lot of stuff going on, you know, when we, um, when this all started to happen, um, we were on spring break, uh, students were home, students were traveling. I know myself, I was on the road doing some recruiting at that time, um, and was really kind of keeping track of everything that was going on. So when we came back to campus that week after spring break, um, things just, things happened fast. I, I was, uh, actually helping out a little bit, the, that Wednesday after spring break, I was looking back at my calendar and, and was helping out with a soccer practice on a Wednesday morning. And it was clear that things were changing and they were changing fast. And, you know, as an athletic trainer, you're always in that mindset of planning for what's next. You know, most of the time it's, you know, how do I prevent this from happening? Or what is the next thing that I have to be prepared for? And I remembered standing on the field while I was watching practice thinking, I'm going to have to assemble the faculty and we're going to have to start to come up with a plan quickly because this this is this situation is evolving. And at that time, I thought I was ahead of the curve. Well, by Friday, when we had our meeting, we had already had numerous conversations about what was happening and how quickly things were, were really kind of devolving. So, you know, we really went into troubleshooting mode right away and, and think are like looking ahead to how we were going to have to pivot and it started with let's think about you know we're going to be moving to online here in in a matter of days what do we need to prepare for what do we need to bring home with us because we may not be back on campus and in the moment that we had that conversation we all still thought that we were going to be back on campus a little bit the following week and by yep. the time the, the weekend ended we weren't back on campus at all yeah. Right. It was we, we went in, we picked things up and that was it. So it really became a matter of first making sure that we knew we had everything that we needed to to move forward. But but more importantly, making sure that we were in contact with the students to, to, to reassure them of what was happening, when it was happening, what our plans were and really just communicating. I think that's the thing that we all just we we do i think a, a pretty good job on the whole communicating within our department with our students already but we had to ramp it up even more uh, because things were constantly changing and we just had to make sure we kept everyone on the same page and um you know i i, I oftentimes look back and joke with colleagues that you know some some colleagues that were teaching online at that time they would have months to prepare for that transition we had five or six days um <laughs> You know, so and it wasn't just turning our classes on, putting our classes online. It was also thinking about everything that we still had to accomplish during the remaining seven weeks of the semester and what that would look like in terms of equipment needs and space needs and uh, what would what would exams look like and how would we administer all that and keep everything moving in that same direction. 
at the same time, also keeping in mind that clinical education also had to happen yep. or we had to figure out what was going to happen with clinical education. And we were really fortunate at that point because our students had just come through an evaluation period and students were, they were ahead of pace with where, where I think we probably expected them to be at the midpoint of the semester. So that really took some of the pressure off there. It gave us as faculty and as, and, and our students a little bit more breathing room there. So we really were able to focus on getting our classes dialed in as quickly as we could, making that transition, uh, figuring out how to how to teach online. None of us had really ever taught online before. So there was this huge learning curve and, and you know, a lot of emails, a lot of phone conversations. But, you know, within that within a week's time, I mean, we were we were up and running and, and I was I couldn't have been happier about the approach that, that my faculty and staff took. The students were fantastic throughout. Um, and then, you know, once that started, it was really a matter of looking ahead um, because it became clear, I think, to all of us real quickly that this was not going to go away anytime soon. So we really started to look well past the spring semester and really started to plan for what would the, what the fall would look like. Uh, and I, I commented to our students during our, our summer orientation about that, that planning for the fall started, you know, on, on March 13th, it felt like we started to plan for the fall semester because that's when we found out that things were moving online. And from that point forward, it was thinking about how we would restructure our classes, how we would restructure our classrooms, what would clinicals look like, yeah. you know, what cleaning policies would we have to put into place, you know, what just a whole host of um, new policies and procedures and, and figuring out how that how that would align with the university and really with best practices. You know, we, a lot of us were spending a lot of time online, attending different webinars, doing a lot of research, meeting with other healthcare professionals to figure out what the next steps were going to look like and what we would have to plan for, you know, as we made our way through the summer and into the fall. Now, did accreditation have anything, any say or any kind of recommendations or, I mean, I'm sure moving like testing and stuff like that probably affects that kind of stuff too. The, I'll tell you that the key was was really fantastic in terms of making sure that they kept programs in the loop in terms of what they were thinking. So um, ordinarily, if a program is having to make dramatic changes to um, how their program is being delivered, you have to you have to notify the Katie of of um, what those changes look like because you you have to make sure that you're going to be able to continue delivering things in an appropriate manner. And very early on in the process, they came out and said. You know, we understand what people are dealing with. We understand you're having to make changes. Um, know that we understand that. Continue to do what you have to do. Follow your, your university guidelines. Um, and and really, I mean, that's been, uh, that was, they were really fantastic with it. And as, as they had information, they were getting that out to program directors as well, which was, which was really great. Uh, I, there was never a time, and there hasn't been a time throughout the pandemic that I've ever felt like we didn't have that support from the Katie. Uh, if we had questions, as new things were happening, the information was there for us to to be able to make the best decisions for for our students and 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 their pro continued progression through our academic program. So now I know some of our listeners um, might not be familiar with how Duquesne's set up. Um, the Rango School of Health Science its own kind of little um, school within itself. Uh, it's in the old gymnasium, and. I, my, my question is, with PT and OT and PA that also operate out of that building, did you guys have like a big come together where um, you were 
deciding like how to get back to class, cleaning procedures, things like that as as a school health science, or was it more like a du- like a big Duquesne board where everybody got together and kind of made made the plan? Yeah, so it, it, we had a lot of meetings. I mean, there were there were meetings every week, whether they were school school related meetings amongst the department chairs. Departments were having individual meetings, but the university also was doing a lot to um, keep people in the loop. Our our provost. Um, David Dossie early on in the pandemic um, started having open forums for uh, university faculty. And it was a chance for us to come together as faculty to talk about what was happening, to ask questions, to get information. And they were really very open and honest conversations. You know, his his background in, in public health and epidemiology was invaluable because he, he, he has an under, a true understanding of right. what a pandemic looks like. And um, you know, those means I, I would leave those meetings feeling like we had information or a, a new understanding of how the university was approaching things. And that then gave us a chance to go back to our individual departments in the school to have additional conversations. So to your point, you know, it, within our School of Health Sciences, um, all the all the departments within the school have a really tremendous working relationship. You know, I can pick up the phone or send somebody an email and know that we can have a, a conversation about just about anything. And that was happening a lot. Um, you know, where we were bouncing ideas off of one another. It was different, though. I mean, we obviously couldn't just pop down the hall, but we were we were checking in with one another and really trying to troubleshoot what we would need to do. You know, things as simple as figuring out how, how best to approach securing PPE. I mean, that was a huge, yeah. a huge concern early on, not just within the school, but across the university and, uh, you know, and obviously globally as well. So we had a lot of those conversations about, what are some of the best practices? What are people hearing? How how do we move forward? Um, you know, to really to, to and, and in the process, not only maintaining the progress of our programs, but really our students. You know, and we were as an athletic training program, we were fortunate in that we didn't have classes that we had to teach during the summer. Where a lot of our other professional programs within the school, they had students that were supposed to complete summer classes and summer clinical experiences. So there was a lot of conversation and discussion around that. Um, you know, how do you how you know how do we adjust our, our schedules? How do we adjust the model that we're using to make sure that everyone continues to move forward and graduates on time? So we were, I think we were somewhat sheltered from that. So we had a chance to really kind of sit back, watch what was happening, provide input and feedback where we could, but at the same time, it helped us to really prepare and think ahead for what our students and what we would have to deal with come the fall semester. That's just absolutely crazy. And I, I think this would be a good point to get Christine's kind of take on how this happened. I remember junior year at Duquesne for me, you know, just getting um, getting in your first clinical second semester, you really kind of get the groove on. And then now everything's changing. And I'm sure it was changing by the day. One day it would be one thing. One day it would be another. Talk a little bit about like how what your experience was. Yes, absolutely. So Starting back at the very beginning one year ago today, I was actually on a study abroad trip. So I was in Europe with my psychology course. Wow. Um, yep, we came back to campus on Sunday night. On Wednesday, we got sent home. Um, and then kind of progressing from there, it was early summer that I received my first clinical placement. And I was very, very excited. I got the one that I had kind of been anticipating with Duquesne football. And really throughout the whole summer, it was, how is this going to happen? What is this going to look like? 
and it wasn't until I was on the plane back out to Pittsburgh that I got word that they were sending the athletes home to quarantine and there would be no football season. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, man. So there was a lot of back and forth on that, obviously, with all of this that's been going on. It's been changes every day. So absolutely trying to see how fall sports were going to work was a big challenge. What could they do? What couldn't they do? what testing needed to be done, what quarantining needed to be done. So that was a lot of, a lot of pivoting. Um, and so my first clinical rotation being with Duquesne football in the fall was not your typical rotation as they were not officially playing sports. So that looked a little different. Um, but now at my current rotation, I am at Moon Area High School, so a bit of a different setting. But they do have athletics going on. So even just that transition from the fall to the spring has been very crucial for me and my clinical placements. Oh, that's that, that that's awesome. Um, I, so that that's a good transition into, I mean, I'll start with Jason. And I guess, Jason, what I would like to know from you is, you know, as you had to pivot and, and dive into this pandemic and prepare yourself to be able to teach online and to be able to, um, safely administer this clinical education, you know, how did your athletic training background and education prepare you for that? You know, I, I, I don't think there was anything specific that you, there was, there was no class that said, this is how you prepare for a pandemic, right? I mean, that just doesn't happen. Um, it might happen now. It for might us, happen but, now. <laughs> but I, you know, I think what I fell back to was something that that came out of my undergraduate education very early on it was you know at the time the, the primary responsibility of an athletic trainer is to prevent injury and illnesses and that was something that has always been right at the right at the front of things and and that was how we that was how we approached this you know when when we met with our students in the summer even before they were starting to come back for clinicals it was this is what th what we're doing. Everything that we put in place, the conversations we're having, are all about protecting the health and safety of students, faculty, staff, top top to bottom. There's no question. There there are no questions. That is what our priority is. The education piece will 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 fall in, and it'll all happen. So, you know, I I think that that was really the mindset that we all went into it with was. How do we make sure we keep everyone safe? And, and you know, that's that's what you do as an athletic trainer, right? So the, the, the planning, the preparation, you, 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 we always plan for the known and the unknown as an athletic trainer. And that's what we were being forced to do. And there's a lot, there was a lot that was unknown and we just kind of pulled out all the stops for it. You know, it was a lot of conversations, a lot of emails, we, we attended a lot of different Zoom conversations just to continue to educate ourselves to be in the best position possible to hopefully have things move forward, right? And, I, and we told the students during, just before classes started up, we've done all this preparation. Hopefully it's it's not all for naught. Like this, this yeah. is where the rubber meets the road. And, you know, so I think it's just, it's just something I think that's ingrained in us. I, I think as a profession, we were, as much upheaval as we've all experienced, I think as a profession and as professionals, we were, we had the preparation yeah. necessary to do it. It was just a matter of kind of flipping that switch and saying, how do we put the, the same skill set to use now? And exactly. 
you know. Yeah. I completely agree. Completely agree. And I think we, I think we've all done a really great job of it. And I think, it, you know, this has really highlighted our skill set as athletic trainers. And, and I, I love that you guys have been able to pivot and, and do that successfully. So, um, you know, kudos to you, Christine, um, same kind of question, but I guess kind of twofold, you know, how, how do you feel like you're, you know, I know you're just a junior and, and you haven't had the full education yet, but you know, how, how did, how is your education so far, kind of helped you in this situation and then you know what are you going to take away from the situation as you move forward in your career you know what how's that going to prepare you or better prepare you for you know job after after college yeah absolutely so one thing that I was kind of thinking about with this question is the way that we're taught in class to approach when an athlete or a patient comes into your clinic they present to you with certain things you see what you can find out from them what, what else information you need to gather, and then you see how you can best attack that plan to benefit that athlete. Each athlete comes in with a completely different scenario. Maybe some things are similar from before, maybe it's totally different. And that's kind of how things have been going with all of this. Each day, it might be a new challenge that you might know how to address parts of it. Maybe some parts you're a little unsure, but you can see what information you can gather from that and just doing whatever you can for your athletes or what the professors have been able to do for the students every day, taking that and seeing how you can progress with what you do have. Love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, can you think of anything specific that, you know, has really any experiences so far that, that have kind of changed your, your outlook or, or your thought process during the pandemic? Yeah, I think that it's been easier to adjust than I would have thought based on, the incredible resources, the incredible community that we have, especially here in the athletic training department. It's been quite a wild ride, but I don't think that my education or for the most part, my clinical experiences have been detrimentally impacted by this. We've been able to adjust and we're still getting the material, whether it's on Zoom or in the classroom. And so certain days are hands-on, certain days are on Zoom. So still being able to get such an exciting and great education. Meanwhile, everything is kind of changing day to day. Things are crazy all the time, but still getting that education no matter what. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's great. That is awesome. That's, that's, that's a cool look on it. For sure. Cool. Phil, anything else? Uh I don't know. There, there's so many more questions that we can we can go into this. Like, like, like at Moon, um, Christine at Moon. How how difficult was it to kind of get in a groove of doing your evaluations? And was there was there like any hesitancy from the student athletes that were there? Um, I think it was more hesitancy on my end because based on my rotation in the fall, I didn't have as many acute injuries where I would need to assess patients on a day-to-day -day basis. So I was, this was almost like, in a way it was more like a first rotation for me, but here I am coming into my second semester and these athletes are just out here. They've been, they, a lot of the high schools here were playing in the fall. So they're used to this continuous, like their sports were obviously halted in the spring last year, but they've been able to keep playing. So it's normal for them. And here I am coming into this new role for me. And obviously it 
affects everyone. They're playing their basketball games with their masks on and all those different things. So their masks on, <laughs> on, on, yeah. on. Yes, yes. That. Awesome. Jason, Christine, thank you guys so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know Adam really appreciates this. Absolutely. And I, I, I think this is going to be a good show for uh, for uh, National Athletic Training Month. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. So, so Adam, National Athletic Trainers Month. I, I think this podcast really sums up, and I, I want to echo what Jason said, that when things get tough, going back to the basics really – really is the core of what an athletic trainer is. We go back to the basics and we get things done. We're able to pivot. I I think we've heard pivot more times during this podcast than I have in the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree, Phil. And I think you nailed it with that, right? Athletic trainers get stuff done. Um, We, we are constantly put in situations where we need to pivot or we need to, um, scramble and and figure things out and and that's on a regular basis right like whether it's a coach changing a practice at the last minute um, a competition getting rescheduled um, whatever it may be that that is the name of the game for athletic training it is it is you know you're never in the the best situation and you just have to figure out how to get the job done um, and get it done well and i think we we excel at that for sure absolutely you know i think another piece of athletic training that that is critical that we we mentioned is that we are healthcare providers right we're not just the water boys we're not just the 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 folks that tape ankles right we are qualified healthcare professionals that have a extremely strong background in in multiple areas of of healthcare right we we get you know we're not experts at anything really i mean i think if we if we had to pick one thing it's probably you know orthopedic or emergency care right that's that's probably our niche but we are exposed and educated on everything under the sun when it comes to healthcare, right? We have to know a little bit about everything to successfully be able to do our job. Um, And I think that really came to light during this pandemic that we are healthcare professionals. We are knowledgeable and we are skilled and, you know, put us in the right situation and we can excel and, and, you know, do the job that needs to be done. Um, So I think that that really came to light during this pandemic. I, I thought it was um, I thought it was really cool that it, it even made it up to the state level where they expanded our uh, practice act for for some time to include um, populations outside of the physically active population that we normally work with. Uh, you saw some of the larger hospitals and clinics in the state uh, pull in athletic trainers to um, help with uh, vaccine distribution, to help with um, running clinic, to help with hospital services, whether that was environmental or screeners or you know just the day-to-day helping uh with with patient flow which i mean if you think about it that's pre-season uh ppe uh pre-participation pre-participation exams uh I, I i don't know any other group that runs them as well as athletic trainers we are constantly providing quality health care to large groups of people at once, right? It's not the traditional, you know, physical therapy clinic where you typically have maybe one or two patients coming through every hour. It's not, you know, a doctor's office where you're seeing one patient at a time. You know, we, we do mass baselines of for concussion testing, for physicals, for blood pressure for vitals, you know, we, we do that on a regular basis. And that is what was needed 
in this pandemic, right? We needed to to learn how to get large groups of people um, organized and orchestrated through testing procedures, contact tracing, um, quarantining, isolating, like all that stuff that we had a really solid background. Like we understood the science, we understood the the medical part of it, but then had that expertise of, of orchestrating large groups of people at one time. And I think that just really highlighted our skill set as athletic trainers. Yeah, keeping keeping the quality of care, the standard of care at the same high level that, that you're expected, but just scaling it up to larger, larger numbers. Yeah, for sure. I know, I know at Dickinson we we were pretty involved. Obviously Janelle was on the call and, and talked about her involvement in and in just being, you know, that that voice of reason and that that um, medical professional on a lot of these committees across campus making decisions for the whole campus, um, but also specifically within our our testing procedure and and trying to run again mass quantities of people through a testing procedure that that looked very similar to a physical process. Um, and again, I think that our our um, administration recognized that hey, here here's a group of, of of healthcare professionals that are on our campus and and yeah, they knew that that we existed, but in the past, you know, we had no reason to interact with that side of campus. And now that we did, I think they realized like, hey, here's a solid group of people that can really help us get stuff done. Um, and, and again, I just, I, I'm, I'm appreciative of that. I think that we were able to do that successfully, which hopefully shows other healthcare um, groups and, and, and um, legislators that, hey, this is a group of people that are solid. They, they know their stuff. They're well-educated. Um, they're very skilled. And, you know, they didn't kill anybody during the pandemic, right? Like we didn't, we, you know, we didn't not, we, we, we were treating people that weren't physically active and nothing bad happened, right? I right. think that's, I think that's a solid for us. And, and hopefully that, that promotes us as, as, an, as a solid healthcare profession so we can move forward and, um, you know, continue to treat people that are not the traditional physically active person, right? I think we need to, to really push to try to get rid of that. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what the future holds. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and then we heard from Christine, the, the student experience over the last year. Uh, I, I have such fond memories of undergrad and just the just the deer in headlights starting my, my first um, clinical rotation. And that was during normal times. And here our, our upcoming class of juniors and seniors started it during the pandemic where everything they learned the year before completely changed and they even had to pivot. Like it, it was completely just across the entire industry, pif, uh, shiv it, pivot and shift. Pivot and shift. <laughs> Isn't that a special oh. test? <laughs> I, think, I think so. I think so. <laughs> yeah. No, and I completely agree, Phil. And I, I think if I was in that, in, in her shoes currently, um, you know, what what a confidence booster right like what do right. you what do you you know you get out in the real world and and you're you're working on your own like what are you gonna experience that is outside of what you've already experienced with the pandemic right like right. your confidence should be super high and in, in, in your ability to kind of understand that you know i can deal with anything should be super high after yeah. after an experience like that yeah i didn't get my first kind of um you know it, it's hit the fan moment until i was i was licensed certified and was the one responsible for everything and and then when everything hits the fan you're just like oh crap yep, yep. it's on me now yep. <laughs> where's where's my preceptor where's my preceptor <laughs> nope it exactly. is on you now yep yeah but now again i think you know it's national athletic trainers month um we really i think i think we did a good job and i hope i hope the listeners agree that we've highlighted what athletic trainers really can do and, and how essential we are to healthcare. I, I think that's a good message right there 
athletic trainers essential to healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else you want to talk about, Phil? I think this was an awesome episode. I, I think it's so a good too. place to leave it. Yeah, yeah. And I hope our, our audience um, appreciates the, the, the time that our guests put into to talking to us and, and highlighting the, their skill set. And I just want to say thank you to our guests, Janelle, um, Jason, and Christine. Thanks for coming on the show and, and taking time out of your busy day to, to share with us. I also want to say a huge thank you to UPMC Sports Medicine for their sponsorship of this episode. Um, if you need any more information from uh, UPMC Sports Medicine, feel free to check them out at upmcsportsmedicine.com. And to our viewers and listeners, make sure that you like and subscribe. And uh, until next time, I am Adam Richmond. And I'm Philip Hensler. And this was the Pats Podcast.